Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Space Cowboy, the Cowboy Bebop podcast that looks like it's on its third episode, but is actually on its 103rd episode. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer, joined as always by my buddy Chris Mosier. Chris, how are you today? I'm doing great, Jeremy. Trying to figure out what that was about, but I love it, and I'm happy to be here. The second episode. This kid looks young, but he's old. I, it was. I thought it was a pretty. I thought, I thought it was a pretty decent joke. That's good. It makes sense. It's if you have to explain it, 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 it means it's definitely funny. So that's. I'm sure. I'm just, <laughs> just surprised. <laughs> we do a lot of preparation anyway. for this Cowboy Peapot podcast. Uh, Don't give up. Space Cowboy is a Monster of the Weeks presents uh, podcast. Uh, you can, um, if you're listening to this, you are a patron. So thank you very much for making all of this possible, uh, and we really yes, appreciate you, you doing so. Uh, so we're not going to do our, our normal admin. I think we're just going to jump in and start talking about some fucking Cowboy Bebop, Chris. Yeah, man. Um, this is this is my favorite episode. I think of the series, possibly of any anime. Uh, I've watched oh, it so many times over the years. Like, I'm sure there are there are episodes I like more of other things, but this is this is a serious candidate. Uh, it's just really good, <laughs> my friend. Yeah. So uh, we we talked in the last episode, and uh, you and I have been talking about this series quite a bit since we started recording this. Um, but yeah, this is where the story really kicks up. Like, we learn a bunch of Spike's past, or not even learn a bunch of it. Like, we just kind of get exposed to some lore. Uh, we don't really. Yeah, we know that something is there now. Yeah, uh, and it's and, and again, like as we've talked about since we started talking about space uh, cowboy bebop. I'm always going to call it space cowboy. By the way, I can't I can't stop. We shouldn't have named this podcast the way we did. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's just incredibly gorgeous. Like it's just the, the presentation is just a, a whole other level of 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 thing from things that I have seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really really. Um... I mean, Cowboy Bebop has looked good thus far, but they just take so much artistic care, I guess. That sounds really lame when you say it like that. But they just, they really go for it. They just fully embrace everything that they can uh, with this medium, which is something that oftentimes gets left out of anime uh, because of the production schedule and things are very rushed and you have to deliver uh, a certain product at a certain time. But Cowboy Bebop is just full of great scenes and great moments and just great episodes like like this one. Absolutely. And let's let's get into it. So uh we're going to start with session 5, Ballad of the Fallen Angels, written by Michiko Yakote. Spike wants to investigate a bounty on his old boss, Mao Yinrai, who had been murdered by Spike's old comrade, Vicious. Um I I want to mm-hmm. get this out of the way. I I know uh like I don't know what it is with with like video games and anime naming people stupid stuff, but Vicious is a real dumb yeah. name for for a guy. I just want very stupid. Even if it's his very like stupid. criminal name, right? Like if it's like you know what I'm saying. Like if it's if it's I his, don't know. I think that might just be his name. <laughs> like if that's on his if that's on his driver's <laughs> license, and we have some fucking problems. If it's his rapper name, it's even kind of dumb. You know what I'm saying? Like right. I mean, he didn't even right. put Lil in front of it. He needs to be Lil Vicious if he's going to be anybody. Um, it's something that like I take for granted because I've known about the character for so long that you just sort of forget, yeah, his name is just this dumb word that describes what he is. But then again, I try to think of it as like, okay, um, this is written by somebody who speaks a different language, so them naming him Vicious is a little bit cooler because they're using an English word that Mm -hmm. describes what he is. But yeah, when we look at it, we're like, oh... (laughs) Okay, vicious. That's his name. And I completely understand how much of a hypocrite I sound, but since I had like have serious conversations about people named Cyclops and Iceman, 
So I just mm-hmm. <laughs> just want to say, like, I know exactly. But even how those we- <laughs> are those are monikers. Which again, I I bet that Vicious's name is probably supposed to be his given like. Because he doesn't have a last name or anything, like even like Spike is quite the first name, but he has a last name. He's Spike Spiegel, so mm-hmm. like that is his name. Whereas Vicious is just Vicious, so it just seems like maybe that's what everybody has always called him. Um, so we can kind of excuse it, maybe, but it is pretty stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, th- this scene is cool. Uh, it's it's basically like at the we're at a top of a skyscraper. All of the walls are windows, and you see like this beautiful cityscape on the outside, and uh, these two very gangster looking dudes uh are signing a what looks like a like a peace treaty and that's what that's the yeah. that's that's what we we learn um pretty quickly is you know it's we, it's the capo of uh one of his is the mao is the capo of the red dragons and uh i don't yeah. think the other name or the other person or gang is ever named here like they just yeah if they are it's it's not really mm-hmm. relevant at all it's, it's more just about the the red dragon um syndicate and uh, Mao Yenrai, who is the leader of the syndicate, has is basically they're signing this peace treaty, and you can tell that there is a sense of relief in the room of like we have struggled and fought our whole lives against each other and against this world, and maybe now we have finally achieved some sort of peace. And it seems like it's pretty great. Um, but I think the very first scene is, is telling that things aren't going to go as planned because the like first thing we see is Mao Yenrai cutting open his thumb. And then putting his, you know, thumb, his bloody thumbprint down uh, to sign the peace treaty. But the imagery of like slicing flesh should be an indication, I think, of of the what's about to come. <laughs> it's uh, it it goes south very quickly. Like they 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 kind of sign this document and are like, oh, you should come over for dinner sometime. Oh, I never thought I'd get an invitation from the capo of the Red Dragons, like that kind of stuff. And then mm-hmm. uh, Mao is watching um this guy kind of fly off in his spaceship. Uh, when it explodes and it's it's really kind of sad because yeah. mal is like oh finally i can get some i can get some rest around here like you could get you get the idea that yeah. he's just been stressed out about dealing with this gangster business for some for, for whatever reason right um and then that's when everything just goes crazy like guys rush in grab him uh and this is when we see vicious for the first time we see him from behind he's got the long silver hair uh he is got a long black coat on he looks a lot like sephiroth from final fantasy 7 uh but a, a more like realistic version but he is also carrying a katana with him a long sword uh and he has this great big bird on his shoulder his whole character is ridiculous i mean we've seen some silly stuff in cowboy bebop but he really is just like extreme anime villain and i love vicious i think he's a super cool character uh but he's also very extreme in anime and he this scene is intense because it's flashing between um mao and vicious walking down the hallway, uh, and the bird keeps like cawing in like this sort of rhythmic way. That like as vicious gets closer and closer to the room, we see dead bodies everywhere. Like they have just vicious and his men have come in here and they have fucked shit up. Um, we don't really know what his motives are, but they very quickly dispose of Mao, whose like final words are, "If Spike were here, you would never have done this." Uh, and vicious just smiles at that. And then that's the end scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, it, this is really good. The, the The bird that Vicious has is um, I, I'm not going to say like it's one step like it's one step too far or anything, but it is. Like, mm-hmm. It's just a it's a logistical nightmare for me. Like imagine like carrying around a pet bird <laughs> or, 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 yeah. for your entire like. Do you have like strips of raw flesh to feed that bad boy in your pocket? Who like knows, what do you probably? Let's <laughs> get the psycho. Maybe that's why the I get thing about the bird that I like. Um, it, it gives him an odd silhouette, which I think is cool. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. and the sound that it makes because yes. that sound kind of like it pops up here and it pops up at the end of the episode. 
but yeah like you said maybe it's a robot bird who knows who, who knows yeah uh this scene is is really good and uh this is the first time we've seen like swords come out right like we've seen guns yeah. and things yeah. like that so uh like going back to a katana like is is some pretty good shit for me like i was i was kind of into this um we go back to the bebop and uh like spike is uh seeing that there's a bounty for mal and basically saying like hey i have to go take care of this and uh and, and jet's like yeah do you though <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> do you really he, he sees this this person sees the like this guy is like uh, a syndicate leader and jet is pretty wary of all this he doesn't understand spike's reasoning and he he doesn't really appreciate him like running off and getting into trouble like immediately um but Spike is so insistent on this that it, and and just confused. He doesn't really understand why he is super eager to go and do this. And um, that's when Spike sort of turns the tables on him because Jet understands that there is clearly something here that I don't know about that Spike's not telling me. Uh, and as soon as he asks him, Spike turns it back on him and is like, "What happened to your arm?" Like as if uh, you know, there's things I don't know about you, and there's things you don't know about me. Stop trying to pry into my my past. You don't like to talk about what happened in yours, so why are you trying to make me talk about mine? Yeah, and, and if, we a, oh, th- if we haven't mentioned real... it, Jet has a robot arm. Just just want to throw that out. Jet there. for sure has a robot arm. <laughs> um, there, there's a real animosity between the two. Not animosity. It's it, not to bring everything back to supernatural, but it is the way that Sam and Dean will fight, or people who are close together will fight and have very real arguments that they don't necessarily resolve when they walk away but it's just like whatever this is the person you're kind of with so it is what it is um but there is a there's an interesting both familiarity and distance between these two characters when they argue yes and and this works real well for me like i like the fact that these two mm-hmm. kind of are obviously know each other extremely well obviously have worked together for a long time but are um you know they still like they're definitely friends but they're it's kind of an uneasy alliance right like this almost seems like a yeah it's, it's more motivated by oh hey this works uh i like you enough to not hate you all the time and you like me enough not to hate you all the time <laughs> and we obviously like each other a lot but like we're not quite too like you know blood brothers or anything just yet mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and that's when Faye shows up she's just kind of making fun of them for being grumpy yes and um Jet keeps giving it back to me. Basically, Jet was like, you need to pay rent around here. You just keep hanging out and eating our food. <laughs> um, Spike, at this point, just like kind of slips out and just goes, gets in spaceship yeah. and leaves. And Jet's like, well, fine, then. If you're just going to go off on your own, just go off on your own. Like that, you know, yeah, that's don't like, expect I, me to back you up. Exactly but. right. Uh, just want to say the animation of him flying out of the, the bebop and out into the world is all of this is so goddamn pretty like i just Mm -hmm, i am just mm -hmm. continuously floored at just how good it looks yeah um just yeah like literally i I wonder if some episodes get uh uh, better treatment than others because this episode's like flawless (laughs) yeah this episode specifically like there's some amazing detail that we're going to get into in a minute that seems like it would have to take uh, a really long time to to draw and animate so i wonder like you know, hey, we know that these are going to be our, our big story episodes, so we're going we're gonna to lavish some more attention on, on that. Uh, I have to imagine that that's the case. After, yeah. after Spike leaves, uh, Faye sees the job for Mao and decides that she's going she's gonna to pick up and try to do it herself. Yeah, she, uh, they get a call from somebody, and we don't get to really see what the call is, but somebody's trying to contact uh, Jet or Spike, yeah. not Faye. <laughs> uh, but she picks up the call, gets this information, doesn't relay it to the others, and just kind of heads off on her own. Uh, we don't really know what she got, but the next scene is her like totally dressed up fancy in this like evening gown with her hair done up, but she's got like this fur thrown over her shoulders. 
very, very fancy, classy. We haven't seen Faye like this quite yet, but we do know that she's a bit of a chameleon with all of these different personas that she can kind of project. Uh, she just like parks her ship right out front of this place, storms in without a ticket uh, to this opera house, and starts demanding to be taken up to see Mao, that he's waiting for her. Um, mm-hmm. And she's able to sort of work her way up there without a ticket. And I just like just want to camp out on the visuals here uh like this is a yeah this this has to be drawn from a a real opera house somewhere or just like some extreme uh you know extreme inspiration because all of the architecture looks beautiful they they pan like around the audience who and we're watching this opera singer and he like the sound is amazing and you know he we, we see all of the faces in the crowd and everything and it just all looks like it's just i could just like drink this this show chris yeah. like yeah. it's so good <laughs> The scene where we're in a little bit when Faye finally gets up into the into the opera like balcony box or whatever it's I'll save it but yeah it's something <clears throat> awesome um so from there she's she's able to talk her way in we don't really know we know she's going to see Mao but we also know that Mao is dead she doesn't know that yeah. the audience doesn't or the audience is aware the characters are not a little bit of dramatic irony there um and then it's back to Jet who we still don't really know what Spike is up to so it's back to Jet on the bebop but he's looking into some files uh. He is a. He finds an encryption. He does a little bit of jet hacking, mm-hmm. the usual stuff. Yep. Uh, and he discovers that Mao Yenrai is dead. I'm pretty sure that's what he discovers. I'm not really sure. Can we call it hunter stuff if they're bounty hunters? We can it's call hunter it. Stuff. We can call oh, it yeah, hunter stuff, right? Absolutely, absolutely. That's hunter stuff. <laughs> um. Yeah. So he finds out more information on uh, Mao, and they concerns him more. And we, we don't really know what that is, but it kind of it, it concerns him more. Meanwhile, Faye, as she's walking into the box in this like completely gorgeous scene, um, immediately gets gets kind of confronted by some goons, and uh, they, they say, "Oh, you're, you're Miss Valentine. Like we've been expecting you, and we've done a lot of research on you." Like she gets made the yeah, instant like, she walks oh, in the, the opera box. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think they they ask her to sit down, or no, that comes up in a bit. So we'll, we'll go there, uh, and then we yeah. go to this this really funny scene. Like we're in a convenience store with like two adolescent brats, like you know paging through a porno mag uh yeah <laughs> and of course the the chick behind the counter like oh you you know they, they, they're gonna steal the magazine so she chases them out and they run directly into spike and spike just grabs the porno mag and looks down and is like whoa what is this yeah <laughs> <laughs> he can't take his eyes off of it for like half the scene <laughs> even when he goes back inside of it earlier he's still looking at it <laughs> His reaction to like, oh wow, there's random porn in my eyesight is is really yeah. great. <laughs> um, apparently, when I was reading up on some trivia, one of these kids was the original design for the character Ed, who we have not met Ed yet. Um, but they're in it a little in a, a few episodes from now. We should we should be introduced to Ed. Uh, but yeah, apparently this was just the unused design was one of these little kids, which is interesting. Interesting. Didn't yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. Because I have never watched the show before, and I have no idea who that is. So <laughs> if you if you knew that going in, you know, I heard that in episode five. <laughs> they, like that, that would be pretty weird if you knew. It's that. a weird thing to know. <laughs> but this this uh, shop owner, her, her name is Annie. We're going to learn that in a minute. But she she's got these kids like wrestled underneath her arms, and she's clearly this big, powerful woman. When she sees Spike, it's like the color drains from her face. Like literally, like she sees a ghost. She drops the kids, they run off, and she's just staring at him like absolutely slack-jawed, can't believe that she's seeing him. Yep. And and they sit down, and we, we get some history here. Um, th- th- she knows that uh, she knew Mal. There's a picture of her and Mal on the, on the counter. And she knows that he's there for information. And um, I believe this is where we find out that uh, when, like three years ago or whatever, uh, when Spike disappeared... 
it, they just everybody yeah. thought he was dead and mal kept searching for him like he kept trying to look for him but uh they couldn't find him so everybody else just presumed they were dead and of course now spike mm-hmm. is back at the time that mal is gone so there's a little bit of a touch right. of irony there and she's she's very upset he calls her anastasia and she anastasia, does not like yeah. that yeah, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't like it does, um, does not she... like that at all she starts drinking like just immediately because she can't she can't deal with it. I think Spike says something about how it's bad for her health. She says, "What's bad for my health is seeing you come back to life." But she and he says, well, "You know, but I'm 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 alive." And she says, "No, you're not. You died three years ago." Um, yeah. and that's the very like she's even. It wasn't just that he disappeared. Like everybody was so sure that he was dead that it's almost it's completely like whatever happened. It's completely inconceivable that Spike would still be alive. Yes. So here and, and here he is now. Uh. <laughs> yeah, surprise. Um I think that's when that we we leave them and we go back over to Faye who is uh who has been set down. The the goons are kind of intimidating her. You can tell she's very nervous. Uh, they tell her to sit down and just relax. When she looks over, she sees the dead mouse. So presumably and this is like a cool thing that but I just I you know, I can't my brain does not stop with this stuff. Like I think this set I think the the way that this works, like this kind of surprise to Faye is very, very cool. Like looking over and seeing the person she was presumably, you know, going to get paid to capture and return to the authorities completely dead from a cut in his throat. All I can picture yeah. are the dudes that had to hustle this dude from his like 31st floor apartment into the opera house. Yeah. Without being caught. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you think Vicious just, was doing that? <laughs> I don't, he put, yeah, he just put him underneath his coat or something. Maybe they stuck sure. him in before. I, you know what? This, but the scene itself is great. There. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Absolutely. Opera singer, and they show from like the stage perspective. He's singing like some Ave Maria thing. I don't know if it's actually Ave Maria. Um, I'm pretty sure it the, is. Yeah. The crowd, we see the balcony box, but then we also see Faye shots of her and just this look of horror coming over her face as she's slowly turning to look over at Mao. And then we finally get the reveal and like, yes, we know that he's dead or we knew that he was probably dead. But then we just see him there with this grisly wound on his neck and this dude is, he's, he's been killed. And that's when Vicious steps forward and he starts talking or whatever. And she says, who are you? And I think this might be when we first hear his name. I don't actually know. It is. Uh, yes. But he, mm-hmm. he says, he just says vicious. Uh, and then we just get audience applause. Just right. It's the, the perfect timing of this violent, gruesome discovery. And then vicious saying his own name and then the audience applauding. It's very, very provocative. Especially when he leans over and kind of whispers in her, like, you're trembling. Like, very creepy. Yeah. Uh, very, very evocative. Very scary. Like, I, I, I like this a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, um, back over to uh, Annie and uh, Spike, where she's basically warning him not to get tangled up with Vicious again, but at the same time, also like giving him a bunch of bullets and a gun. <laughs> so. yeah. He's there to basically stock up, you know, in case we didn't say it, we learned that Spike was part of whatever this Red Dragon syndicate was. Mm-hmm. We don't really know, but that's he, he was in this gang, in this syndicate, and um, clearly he, he died, quote unquote, to get out. Uh, but yeah, he gets loaded up with weapons. Um, she tells him to absolutely not go and tangle with Vicious, that this is not worth it. Because Spike knows immediately, you know, this is this this dude's involved. He's been kind of planning a takeover since Spike left. Like shit's, you know, pieces have been moving. And um but Spike, you know, he's still loading up. She calls him a stubborn show off, and he's uh he's just gonna do what he's gonna do. Yeah, um, 
there's also a scene here where she uh takes a takes a pours a big shot and um he's like hey i think you've probably like had enough to drink right like you can probably dial it down she's like no this one's yeah. for mal and he says well if this is for mal then i'm gonna be the one to drink it and he dials it yeah. um obviously like yeah. take, and a kind of a symbolic gesture of responsibility um which i found mm-hmm. kind of clever and and, yeah. and and very cool um he goes back to the bebop to like arm up with some grenades and some more guns and uh and jet continually questions about it the entire time is and this like, where hey. they show that they keep all the grenades in the fridge yes yes absolutely i mean that's the perfect <laughs> I, spot. I don't know if that's like a thing i don't know anything about munitions Grenade, of any kind grenades don't explode when they're cold that's a fact but it's is that true <laughs> yeah uh-huh. oh that's fascinating because i always thought it was really funny but i guess that makes sense <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's not true it's not i don't oh. i mean it could be true but i am fucking with you you so. just made a goddamn fool of me <laughs> i'm sorry lying to your friends isn't cool everybody don't do it <laughs> yeah the, he gets all of his grenades up uh and and that's basically telling him like hey mal's dead there's no bounty here uh this is all a trap like why are you doing this and he's like it's you know this is my history this is what i have to do right yeah he has a debt to pay because you know as as annie said to him this wouldn't have happened if you had just stuck around spike if you hadn't disappeared this just wouldn't have been able to kind of take over like this. Ma would still be alive. This shit wouldn't be happening. So uh, he feels like he he's not only is he involved through feelings in his past, but also he feels responsible and that he has this debt he needs to pay by by going and and getting vicious back. I guess. I think this point that they get the phone call from. Oh no no no! Right Jet, before that, Jet Jet explains. Yeah, Jet opens up. Yeah yeah. Jet explains that he got his arm blown off by. Um, being too kung ho and going in before they had backup and that you know spike's gonna yeah. do the same thing uh and yeah. this is where which they, is this is this is sort of the olive branch of 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 jet trying to be like i 100 percent am pissed off at you i don't agree with what you're doing but this is the thing you brought up earlier so hey you know what let me let me talk about it just a little bit maybe you can open up just a little bit too and maybe you can not do this and listen to me spike um but spike does not listen spike does not listen and uh interrupting this they get a uh, a video call from Faye who has been tied up to a pole and uh, basically saying like, hey, I, I've been kidnapped. Uh, I got myself yeah. caught. Yeah, I need you to come get me. And, and Jet just immediately like goes over and tries to turn the video call off, which I think is a great reaction. <laughs> the, the the complete disrespect that they show Faye during all of this stuff, like she's just like some hanger on that they can't stand is, is really great. because she is. I mean, this is exactly <laughs> what she is. Yeah. In it's, the next episode, we see her eating the dog's food. She's oh, man, taking scene. advantage of everything. <laughs> that scene is so great. Uh eventually spike says oh wait hey what you know where are you right now and uh you know oh, I'll, oh you're gonna come save me and he's like uh, you know i mean it, it might align with my interest or whatever so yeah, yeah don't take it personal but yeah i might come save you um and this starts the uh the church sequence uh that is the the highlight of this episode and so far for me the series uh it's mm-hmm. spike walking up music starts playing um yeah. i don't i don't Song, remember the rain. name of the- it's the, the- it's just yeah i think it's just called rain yeah um and it's like the first time we have with lyrics in the show and it's like i think that's the first two lyrics are i don't feel the thing and i stop remembering or something like that i'm not going to recite the lyrics um but it's very gloomy and we get this image of this gorgeous church set against this purple sky as it's like twilight the setting sun and we just spike walking up to it and all these cut scenes of these you know uh crows flying away from from the church steeple and it's incredibly well put together and it's also my favorite scene of the show it's 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 gorgeous like you know and it's 
like I can look at this and see uh, like inspiration from you know the old like old Jet Li action movies and stuff like birds yeah. are flying as Spike is walking along right like and you know there's when they when Spike and uh, Vicious like confront each other it goes from a side shot and they're on each in a separate end in the middle of an aisle with the pews you know mm-hmm. in front of them and it's it's you know it's that scene it's that like all the way back right. to Ninja Gaiden for Ninja Gaiden for the NES right like that that, right. that, that one you know cut scene that was like holy shit I can't believe this is possible it's it's mm-hmm. so good man it's so satisfying I think you you said that like this show revels in its coolness when we first started doing this podcast mm-hmm. and it it really does like it it f- makes these moments happen and it just kind of just like lets you sit in them for a while in a really good way this episode feels like a full-length movie, and it is 22 minutes long, because it starts <laughs> at one place, and it moves very quickly through these things. Like, this episode could be an hour and a half long if they just wrote it out a little bit further and filled in some of the blanks along the way. Um, but this moment, this church, with this, the song when Rain starts playing, uh, that's when I was hooked with Cowboy Bebop, because the first four episodes, four and a half episodes even, are cool, but they're... There's not there's not a lot of hooks yet necessarily to, to I was a pretty young guy kid person when I was watching it the first time so I was like okay there's just like stuff happening but there's no like cliffhangers I'm not like itching to find out what happened next which is you know that's how I liked my content back then I think as an adult I can appreciate the coolness of it a little bit more mm-hmm. um, but when this moment hit I was just all in for the rest of the series <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, this this is extremely good the dialogue here um, I believe. Uh, vicious opens it up by saying you know when angels are forced out of heaven they become devils wouldn't you agree and the, yeah. they kind of exchanged some they, i wrote they, down everything that they said because it's all it's very it. it's very i don't want to just dismiss dismissively say it's very anime but it's like they are having this very melodramatic conversation with each other which stands out because as much as spike will say these kind of cool quippy things to people um this is a different type of language and a different type of communication uh because vicious says like you said when angels are forced out of heaven they become devils you agree don't you spike spike says i'm just watching a bad dream i can never wake up from vicious says i'll wake you up right now um what's your rush vicious after all it's been a long time oh (laughs) vicious says are you pleading for your life and spike says hardly begging doesn't work on you remember even if it's coming from the man who took you in and made you what you are perhaps but he was a beast who lost his fangs. That's why he had to die, Spike. And that's why you have to die. It's this very strange conversation that you don't have this sort of like heightened back and forth with anybody that you don't know really well, I feel like. Exactly. There is a, an mm-hmm. intense relationship between these two. We haven't seen the full uh, version of it yet. Um, but there's a lot there. And this is the scene, like you said, they're standing. Uh, this is vertical shot or horizontal shot of them. Um, but the pews all next, it's very, very evocative. Uh, and it's really cool. The, uh, and- the, the dialogue is definitely something that, um, stuck out to me because up till mm-hmm. now, like we haven't really had this kind of melodramatic stuff The no. w- w- we talked about it, like all of the, the English dubs are so good like for like 99 percent of everybody that speaks does a really well good mm-hmm. job a couple of times mm-hmm. there's some like weird hokiness that stands out but i mean nothing bad and uh so this really stuck out for me as like a, kind of a moment of like okay these two characters know one another there's obviously a, 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 a real big history here i don't really know what's going on but i really want to know more i've got to know more about yeah. these, these two and, and exactly what they've been through and it felt very coded to me like it almost felt like they yes. were uh. they were kind of like saying things to each other to get a certain reaction but because they know each other so well 
they can have like a real shorthand or in this case a real melodramatic shorthand <laughs> to get the yeah. other one kind of riled yeah. up me autumn and i talk about this a lot because we make like really dumb jokes and we've been you know we've been married we've known each other for a long time now so we've got jokes mm-hmm. that go back 20 years that you know, if we met some, if we got divorced and had to meet somebody new, like, and I like made an offhand joke they didn't get, it'd be it'd be weird, right? And that's how right, this feels. Right. This feels like they were extremely close, right? And uh, again, it's notable. I mean, Vicious is here. He's talking about beasts and devils, and you can kind of just see this is his his name is Vicious, <laughs> so like you get it. You, it's pretty clear. Um, but Spike again is bringing up this sort of dreaming thing. You know, I'm just watching a bad dream I can never wake up from. Uh, and I don't know if that's sort of his a key or or a look into his philosophy of these things that have happened that I I have no control over any of this. It's just been these bad things happening, and all I can do is sit here and watch it. Um, but that's exactly not what he does here, because just as they're they're sort of re- reaching this this peak in their conversation, uh, that's when somebody else steps out. He's got a gun to Faye's head. Um, they start making their demands or whatever, and that's you know. As soon as the guy pops out, Spike spins and points his gun at him, and the shadows are like weighing heavy on everything. And this, the scene is very dramatically lit or animated, whatever. Um, and, and Spike is pointing his gun at him, and the guy is saying like, "Hey, if you don't," and before he can even get the sentence out, Spike pulls the trigger, shoots this dude right in the head uh, while he's got a gun to to face head, and just just takes this dude out. It's we've seen Spike acting very rashly. Um, before but this is like such a cold calculated move that it's almost like a different version of him suddenly it it, it is and i I really like when he shoots this dude in the head like we get splatters all over faye faye immediately runs out uh you you mentioned the shadows uh people like start jumping out of the shadows essentially like the way that this the inside of this turret is is lit and the way it's illustrated is just gorgeous like it just Mm -hmm. i mean just like atmospheres dripping off my tv screen during this i mean i couldn't (laughs) it was it was really difficult to like uh i I watched this episode maybe three times since last time we did recorded this podcast (laughs) and it's just i didn't even on the third time and i specifically watched it to to make notes i uh, i just i didn't want to take my eyes from the screen like it's just gorgeous and this fight scene is just incredibly good. Uh, Faye gets out of the church, so we, we're kind of done with her for a little bit. But Spike is just mowing through these dudes and chasing them down, shooting them. He j- goes into a stairwell and he gets kind of he gets winged. He gets shot in what looks like the stomach area, uh, yeah. but he just like pushes himself to get the fuck back up and starts shooting. And it's oh boy, man, that is just great. That is, mm-hmm. mm, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, and this is our only little cutaway during all this is like right after he gets, you know, he's shot and he, he forces himself on, uh, then it's Faye or, uh, Jet back on the bebop cutting his bonsai tree and he, and he accidentally like cuts too hard and cuts off a big branch and he's like, oh, you can just tell like, he's like an anxious father back home worried about his dumb kid. Uh, and, and you can tell this is really starting to, to, to get to him. Exactly. Uh, and this is where, where Faye like reluctantly sort of. Uh, rushes out of the church because she knows there's nothing she can do to help Spike. Uh, so Spike and uh, Vicious finally find Spike and they confront one another. Uh, Vicious has got his sword out. Spike has his gun. Uh, they kind of go back and forth. You know, Spike is obviously wounded, so he's not you know peak performance, but mm-hmm. he's he's holding his own. And they get into the stalemate where um, Spike has his his gun. Spike ends up with the sword. Uh, at some point and and vicious has the gun and they have the two points i don't know how the swap happens but it happens um i'm pretty sure that's what happens here uh 
I've watched the scene a million times, I should know. But they've just, yeah, they've got each other at this, this stalemate right mm-hmm. in front of this beautiful purple stained glass window. Uh, and, I want, and, I want yeah. this to be like my, I want this shot, this, this, where they, they zoom back and Sp- you can see Spike and Vicious in this pose. Um, but they're, they're very tiny under this enormously huge purple and like orange stained glass window. And it is so fucking beautiful. Like I just, it's astounding how gorgeous this is. Yeah. And I didn't write down the exact words, but Vicious says something basically about like, yes, like this is like that blood of the beast in you. Like, look at it. It's flowing through you still. He's very like Darth Sidious here. Uh, and Spike says, I've bled out all that kind of blood. Uh, <laughs> and Vicious, this is the only time that he he loses his cool, even during this fight where the, he's swinging his sword at, at Spike. He remains very relaxed, but this is where he loses his cool and screams, then why are you still alive? And that's when the, the stab and the shot happen at the same time. Uh, and he picks up skull <laughs> spike by the skull just lifts him and then hurls him out the window and we're hit with this music this like children's choir music and it's the scene is beautiful it's gorgeous uh spike is, is falling amongst all of this breaking glass this music is playing um we, we get these kind of zoom shots to th- violence in the past uh we start seeing characters we've never seen before we see spike mm-hmm. and vicious you know together kind of hanging out obviously friends uh we see this blonde woman that's kind of dressed up in a, like a latex suit. It, she's with them. And there's obviously like some, some sort of weird connection there. Um, as somebody that hasn't seen the rest of the season yet or seen, seen the rest of the series yet, I, I don't like, I can kind of assume some stuff. Like it's obvious, like there's mm-hmm. probably some sort of love triangle. There's, you know, some, some bad, some, some shit happened between these, these three people. Uh, but you know, we see the way that all of this is delivered is, is so just yeah. go- beautiful and gorgeous i can't i wish i had more bad things to say about this show because i just can't stop mm-hmm. ranting about mm-hmm. how great it is mm-hmm. <laughs> uh especially i mean this episode in particular but as spike is watching all he's falling in slow-mo and there's the the falling glass behind him and then we're seeing flashes of like flower petals falling from a window mm-hmm. we see flashes of like you said him and him and vicious fighting side by side there's also this woman there. There's a, a shot of Vicious in bed with someone who looks like that same woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also see flashes from the prologue of uh, to the first episode where Spike was waiting in the rain. Uh, he had the puddle with all the cigarettes and the, the, the roses and all that. So like, we're seeing bits and, and pieces of that. Not enough to put really anything together, but just, yeah, all these flashes. And then there's just a massive explosion up in the church because Spike, as he was tossed out the window, dropped one of his grenades. Because uh, as we, we should know by now, as much as it's very much a, uh, a cool guy thing, always manages to have snuck his hand into somebody's pocket, he does it consistently enough and with things that are kind of inconsequential that we just know this is a thing that Spike is very good at doing, is slipping things in and out. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he, this time it happens to be a grenade that he drops. Um, but yeah, he it just sort of fades away with this. This massively violent scene fades away with this choir music as, as Spike just falls. It's beautiful music too. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Like it's 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 very nice. Um, it, the last thing we see, I think, before he passes out, is him stumbling down the street like he's wounded. We see it like first person kind of. Did I? And then he collapses at this woman's feet. Did I? Because he he definitely like sets off an explosion, right? D- did you mention that, or did I just? Yeah, he tosses the grenade up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I think my connection cut out a little bit, so I missed mm-hmm. just a little bit of what you said. Yeah, that um, to us frequently. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, <laughs> thank you to my internet. If the, if any of the weird issues like that happen, I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, he falls at the 
the the feet of this blonde woman and he kind of wakes up a little while later while she's humming and he asked her to to please keep doing that to keep to keep singing for him and then um he passes out again and the next time he wakes up he's just on the bebop so we don't really know how he got from place to place or like who the blonde woman was how he survived a fall that tall mm-hmm. and the answer is not very well because he's bandaged all the way the fuck up it's like yeah he he is dreaming and then he wakes up and he's still in a dream and then he wakes up again and then he's back on the bebop mm-hmm. and i just want to reread the notes that i took from last time because i i read uh spike's like preview for the next episode mm-hmm. where he says uh okay the music box is broken or is it it starts to play in a haunting tune filled the air I awoke suddenly from a dream. I awake suddenly from a dream. Uh, there is no music box, and yet there it is—a tiny one nestled in my hand. And I awake from my dream again, as if I were peeling an onion. <laughs> it's a dream, no matter how far I go. I can never reach reality, trapped in an endless nightmare. Uh, it's interesting again that he he mentioned the dream to again. I'm just spoilers. Cowboy Bebop is not all one dream. <laughs> it's not all Spike's dream. <laughs> but I just really like the imagery and trying to dig through. And find out exactly what it means. Like, is he just trying to reach back to this reality? Does he feel like ever since something happened, he hasn't been living in reality anymore? Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot. And um, when he finally kind of comes to, he realizes that it's not this other woman humming. That was some memory. This time, it's Faye. And she's sitting by his bedside, just sort of like playing cards or whatever, doing her thing. Um, and it's very... It's very quiet, and then he kind of like points points to his his bandages because he's totally totally wrapped up, totally messed up. It's been three days since he uh, got brought there, um, but yeah, he finally he like points at his mouth like he wants to talk. So she pulls uh, down his his mouth, whatever, and he struggling to speak tells Faye that she sings off key. Uh, so she just like slams him with the pillow and storms out of the room. It's really uh, funny. Uh, it's like, even after all that, they still, they just end the episode like that with, uh, you know, jet looking out and kind of just laughing. Uh, and then just black screen. See you space cowboy. And I, I like the way this show ends on like goofy jokes. Um, like as, mm-hmm. as, as for a serious and as, as kind of, uh, in depth that this episode is like ending it on a kind of a goofy note, I think is, is pretty cool. Like I don't, it kind of, it's almost like a palate cleanser, right? Like I, it, I, yeah. I learned a lot of information and I was kind of starstruck for a little while, but now I'm, I'm kind of, Oh yeah, this is, this is, they're dumbasses. I forgot. <laughs> they're yeah, all dumbasses. Yeah. <laughs> and it just... goes from that right to the, the real folk blues, which is the ending song every time. And it's sung in Japanese, but I was just noticing the lyrics this time because they're very, very melodramatic. But again, they're also just translated from a different language. But the first couple lines are too much time has passed, uh, or too much time has passed by to lament that we were deeply in love. The wind keeps blowing while my heart cannot heal all the tears in it. Um, and just, too much time has passed by to a lament that we were deeply in love. I think that it's it's an evocative thing after seeing this sort of these characters from his past. Um, and I think that the further we go, the imagery that we've seen throughout the Real Folk Blues, like the, the credit song, uh, the imagery that we see during that starts to get a little bit more context. This is a... Uh easily my favorite episode of the series so far uh it's this is just a tremendous episode from a lot of reasons that the the visual of the stained glass with vicious and spike fighting underneath it will probably stay with me for 
at, at least four or five weekends of, of drunken rowdiness. <laughs> and, uh, no, no, it'll stay with me for a long time. Like I, I like I said, I, I want I want to find um, fan art of that. Like I want that to be on the mm-hmm. background of my laptop. Mm-hmm. Like it's it just looks so fucking hot. Yeah, I think I can credit this scene for for my continued love of of anime. Like after this, because there was a period of my life where I just you know whatever you grow out of stuff, you move beyond. Uh, to new interests, but then I watched Cowboy Bebop and and got my shit blown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can totally see that. I don't feel a thing, and I stop remembering. Today's just like moments turned to hours. Mother used to say, "If you want, you'll find a way." But mother never danced through fire shower. This is Sympathy for the Devil, written by Kiko Nobumoto. Spike and Jet track a bounty named bounty head named Giraffe. This leads them to an old man in a wheelchair and a boy who is not as he appears. The story that began with a hyperspace gate accident outside Earth then unfolds. 
um, that these these kind of kind of tell you what's happening. <laughs> like this, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. some good information. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is a very this is a very bluesy episode. Like we're gonna be mm-hmm. like the whole song, uh, excuse me, the whole episode is just, are just is filled with harmonica music, which normally kind of grates on me, but uh, really works with this. Like it works a whole lot. Yeah, we get this. Uh, the, the, uh, the very first scene is we're seeing like doctors and test tubes and an eyeball up close several times, and it's. It looks like it would almost be like the intro to a Twilight Zone episode, except there is this harmonica playing the whole time. Uh, and we're seeing this this flood of images and this eyeball. Uh, and then the last thing that we see is Spike lying on this operating table. Uh, we don't really know what's going on, but then he wakes up suddenly, and he's at the back of a bar, and this kid is up on stage, and he's playing harmonica, and Spike is just sort of sitting there listening to it. Uh, and it's quite the uh, quite the intro to the episode. Yeah, this um, I'm still again have not gone any further than these two episodes. So like seeing all of this stuff happen and it's like and it goes right to Spike. I'm like, wait, did all that happen to Spike? What's happening right now? <laughs> What's yeah, going yeah. on? Um, yeah. But this is this is really good. Uh, and we go but to the bebop right right from right from we go from like all of this to the bebop for yeah. like for like a little comedy number where we're Faye's eating dog food. Faye's I like I- eating <laughs> ends food. In my in my memory, I, it always felt like Faye was almost like this fan service character. Like they just spent a lot of time sexualizing her, which isn't entirely false. But like ninety percent of her scenes are like she's the comic relief character. Absolutely, she's yeah. so ridiculous. <laughs> she uh she goes to the refrigerator, can't find any food, um, and of course they're they're cutting to Ian the uh the the corgi from episode two. Yeah, there's, uh, there's one can of dog. There's food. one can of dog food, and he's just like tapping his tail, uh, you know, just like looking at his bowl, like, oh, it's time to get fed. Poor dog. And then she just opens it up and starts chowing down. It's like, hey, girls got to eat first. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, which is really great. Uh, it's really yeah. fun. They, I, I am glad because I was I was a little concerned when when Faye was introduced because like they they do draw her very you know very. That I'm not gonna say sexually, but like, like her breasts are very well animated in the last episode. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's, it's it, yeah. it could easily go into uh, just like a, a fan service kind of character or what have you. But her having these kind of comedy moments with the, with the staff, I think, are are really fun. Yeah, um, the staff. I don't I don't know where I went with the staff. I'm at the cast. <laughs> the dog. Yeah. Like, the, this is the, the staff of the bebop. The staff of the bebop. I mean, it's uh, not. It's, it's you're not wrong. When you when when she opens it up, the camera cuts to the corgi, and the corgi has this look like his tail stops wagging, and he kind of cocks his head like you motherfucker. He starts to understand. I can't fucking believe what you were doing right now. You are son of a bitch. I have. You are my enemy. You are now my mortal enemy, and I will kill you. <laughs> oh, the the relationship that everybody has with the dog throughout is is always great. It's just these little moments. Um, but yeah, but it's back to back to the bar where where Spike was hanging out. Jet's mm-hmm. there with him now. Obviously, they're there uh, working a job. And there's this. Um, well, there's the kid playing harmonica up on stage. Yep. Um, and there's this other dude there, and like this is the guy they've got their their info on. They're they're looking after him, and they're they're formulating their plan. Do you, did you write down Jet's great line about jazz? I did. Blues? Yeah, because uh, throughout this episode, people uh, brag about like how long they've been listening to blues, and Jet starts uh-huh. this out with, um, "I've been." wailing the blues since the doctor slapped my butt when i was born and yeah. <laughs> spike respi- that sounds like some something dean winchester 100 percent. yeah i've been listening to led zeppelin since before the second album or whatever uh and uh spike responds with oh wow a, a hipster baby neat yeah. <laughs> or yeah. something or cool 
<laughs> sick dude um but yeah they, they they formulate this plan like all right we can't just like run at him this is a pretty crowded place so uh jet you you kind of walk up to him and, and spike's gonna swing around the other side uh and then they notice this other huge dude uh, who's kind of in the way, and Jet is like, oh, damn it, all right, that's a different bounty hunter. Uh, his, this dude named Fatty, I know him, so clearly he's he must be here for the same reason. We can't really uh, go running into him, this is going to be a pain in the ass, so uh, Jet decides to create a diversion by calling out to Fatty, because this is competition. They might be friendly, but it's still competition. Yeah, there's, there's uh, three million Jet- Wulongs on the line here. So Yeah, <laughs> Jet calls out to him while uh, Spike sort of slips out so he can pursue silently. Uh, but then this dude drops a, a line about how he's been listening to the blues since he was at his daddy's sack or something like that. <laughs> See, in the South, uh, there's, there's an expression here of, uh, like, I've been, you know, like, if a dude wants to prove how old he is, he'd, he'd be like, oh, I've been, you know, I've been playing baseball since before you were uh, an itch in your daddy's pants. Uh, but, yeah. like, since before you were in your daddy's sack is a whole other level of, of grossness <laughs> and hilarity. I'm going to start using this one. This is yeah. great. But yeah, he was, yeah. as a sperm, he was jamming out to the blues. So I think he's got this. He's got it. Um, Spike follows their mark, this guy they're going after, who is following the kid with the harmonica who is playing, who ha- who's with this older guy in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, they get into a cab, uh, and this the, the bounty gets into a, a different cab and pursues them, and Spike is like, what the hell is going on here? So it's just like a three-way chase happening. I uh, I really like this scene because it's uh it's it's definitely a chase scene, but it's almost like a slow paced chase scene. Yeah, it's because, very noir, very sleuthy, not like action paced. Exactly. Yeah, and it's it's and it's very like what the fuck is going on? What's happening? Why does that kid have a dude with a wheelchair? Like what is happening in any mm-hmm, of this stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, the giraffe, the guy that Spike is tracking, barges into the hotel room and finds the kid and Zebra, who will eventually get know his name as Zebra. Um and they're just they're just standing there and he demand he points a gun at him and demands that they give him back give it you know give it back to me give it back to me um and then we the camera cuts to outside where giraffe is just blown the fuck away <laughs> like he he yeah. was shot so hard he flew through a window uh luckily spike was kind of idling outside with his spaceship <laughs> sneaking around yeah just you know be, doing all doing the stealth spaceship maneuvers uh and he kind of scoops him up on his way down and so sets him down the guy dies pretty quickly, but before he does so, he tells uh, um, Spike to to save Zebra, and he yeah. gives him a, a weird stone. Don't be fooled by him. Yeah. Don't be fooled by him by the way he looks, not me. Do uh, not be fooled by the rocks that he's got. Yeah. He says... Uh, <laughs> he's, he's just... He's just and Spike is like, you need help, dude. Uh, and, and the guy says, not me. He needs help now. Help him. Uh, and he gives Spike this this stone ring. It's got this like ruby looking something or other on it. Uh, and then he he dies, which of course loses them the bounty yet again. And uh, so, Bebop, so, excuse me. Spike takes the the stone back to the Bebop. Uh, Jet analyzes doing his computer hacking stuff, and uh, just doesn't really come up with anything besides like, oh yeah, it's probably worth some money, so you should probably sell it. Like it's, we, yeah, we can't tell yeah. what it is. Uh, Faye is kind of getting in the way here. She's kind of, you know, like making a nuisance of herself. So Jet leans over and grabs an invoice and hands her an invoice. And she's like, what yeah, is this? Yeah. He's like, oh, well, this is for all the food that you eat and your rent. And you should probably definitely pay us that back. And she just freaks out, which is really <laughs> funny to me. I just, boy, I love that a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, it's very good. Um, they they kind of decide they don't really want anything to, to do with this situation or Jet. That's that's their first inclination is let's let's maybe not deal with this. Let's just sell the ring. Um, but despite everything, these guys generally do have at least curiosity, if not like 
uh, uh, righteous calling to kind of like look further into these things because they they're looking at this like this kid might be in danger. Exactly. And we can't just necessarily mm-hmm. turn a blind eye. So we see Jet meeting up with uh, that other bounty hunter, Fatty. Uh, the next day, kind of just for a little brunch, seeing, a little brunch in the park, just for a little brunch. God He's damn. buying him loads of sweets. All of these uh, look so delicious. I wanted to eat every single one of them. I, yeah. <laughs> I know I've heard, uh, you know, because of my weird internet exposure, like I, I, I know of anime more than I actually know anime. If that makes yeah. sense, and I've heard a lot about. Um, like food or cooking anime and uh just have heard people say like oh my god the food looks so delicious i just want to eat it It looks so perfect and great and like that's how this made me feel i wanted to scoop up every <laughs> single i wanted a one single bite of everything on the table <laughs> um this is where jet is able to kind of get some uh some backstory on uh so on zebra who is the guy in the wheelchair correct yep. mm-hmm. and giraffe was his that- partner and giraffe is exactly. the guy that just died yeah um and giraffe was after zebra who is this harmonica kid's so-called father um it doesn't seem like all there's just a lot of missing pieces to this puzzle right now yes absolutely uh, well they, they spike uh fatty kind of lays it down right like they were they were they were partners there was some weird mm-hmm. territory dispute with the raiders that's right something that's right. happened um they got split up and um they somehow or another like they basically had a falling out and then like a couple of years later uh giraffe or excuse me yeah no zebra shows up in the wheelchair zebra just showed back with up the yeah. kid and so people were like well you know everyone thought that zebra betrayed him but maybe he didn't like so it's kind of confusing what happened uh like they don't really mm-hmm. nobody really knows the, the the story so spike is tracking um zebra and the boy down and like he walks into a wet pipe factory <clears throat> and, and yeah. like, un- underneath the spotlight. And uh, of course, like the kid and the wheelchair guy are just waiting at the top of the stairs, just waiting for him to show up. And it's, I love this, this exchange where the kid is like, who are you? And Spike says, just some suspicious guy. <laughs> That's really, it's very true. It's he really funny to me. Suspicious guy. I'm just some suspicious um, guy. Just, this kid seems a little bit wise beyond his ears as if he's like, what do you want? Mr. Like, like bug off did you just say wise beyond his ears or his years why is years i didn't say ears it really sounded like you said wise I mean, beyond maybe his, beyond his maybe ears. i did say that with my mouth but i know that that's not the expression <laughs> <laughs> maybe i just went too a little soft on the line um but it's right it's right then that this guy's ears <laughs> they explode um they they cut back to uh Faye and jet on the bebop and they're like looking into shit and then they they look at this old newspaper article and they realize it's from 30 years ago and suddenly they see oh shit uh it's from 30 years ago excuse me uh and they they realize that the harmonica kid is on the cover of this newspaper from 30 years ago and he's a kid and he's still a kid now uh and then it's back to spike (laughs) now we just got this piece of weird information it's back to spike being just some suspicious guy talking to it and at least at least a 30 year old child and and spike kind of just talks down to him like okay kid whatever and the kid just like straight up shoots him in the fucking arm and, yeah. and his gun goes flying uh and then I, I don't particularly like this like the the kid just basically does a, a um a story dump and it was like oh yeah i've been around so long i'm old as hell i was here before they put up the, the you know the the asteroid or before they spun up the asteroids or something like uh it's 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 a really odd choice just to make him like tell spike everything about it yeah yeah you ready for this this 
nonsensical science flashback because we, we get a flashback of this kid with his parents. Everything's green and beautiful. Uh, he gets the harmonica. He starts playing for his parents. He's Everything's beautiful and happy. And then these slow-mo asteroids hit. Uh, and we don't really see what happens. Only the aftermath where, where well, like, he has survived under the bodies of his parents. It's it's weird because like before that happens, like these weird gold things start coming out of the sun and like gathering around him somehow. Like it's almost like there's like whatever the, it came with the asteroid. Obviously, something changed. Yeah, him, but the, like it's it's the, there's something the weird that came speed, with it. The hyperspeed gates got destroyed, and I, like somehow focused on him in some way like none of it like i like it i like this really stupid made up magic science but it's it's really stupid and made up but so something about the the hyperspeed gates being destroyed and maybe they go into his damn magic harmonica who knows but for whatever reason time stops for this kid yep uh, i think later they say that there's like excess levels of melatonin in his brain that just stop him from aging that's correct yeah uh, or yeah. something like melatonin that he's producing in, in very large quantities. Uh, it's th- this is actually a really cool scene. Like I, I really like the, the again. I really like the animation. Like the 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 mm-hmm. the, the, the hyperspace gate breaking and then like falling to Earth and then him waking up under his uh, presumably Earth. I, I'm guessing that it's Earth. Uh, waking up underneath his parents' bodies. That's that's evocative as hell. Especially like this. This is classic superhero like origin story bullshit right here. And, and I, mm-hmm. I live for this shit. So I'm I, I am 100 yeah. percent into this. Um, and this is when Spike realizes that Giraffe, when he died, he wanted Spike to help Zebra, not this kid. Yep. Uh, and that's when the kid asks for the ring that uh, Giraffe gave him, and Spike denies knowing anything about it. And then that's when the kid just starts opening fire on Spike. Um, Spike exchanges exchanges some shots, and he he hits the hit kid in the head. But when he runs up to go and check, he finds a shitload of blood. Uh, but no body, and uh, well, before Zebra that, is gone as well. I just, I just, I just want to mention, like before that, he he shoots the kid in the hand, and the kid's gun goes flying. Uh, mm-hmm. And so he, Spike is going to run after him, and the kid pushes the wheelchair guy down the stairs. <laughs> like, so the kid oh, is a real right. dickhead. Right. Yeah, kid is an yeah. asshole. Uh, and by the and he's finally Spike gets that shot off, and like yeah, so, but he has to take care of the wheelchair dude first, and that's why the dude gets away. Yeah. Um, they they bring the uh, they bring Zebra back to the Bebop where they're like. Uh, like kind of just he he's kind of out of it he's he's not he's not and i think it, i think at some point they the kid talked about how he has to have one of these companions so that he can get stuff done because nobody will believe that he's not 12 years old um but they bring him back they bring zebra back to the the bebop and they want to use an alpha catch with him <laughs> which is basically like a series of wires that lets you see someone's memories which is cool mm-hmm. as hell yeah um and they see basically the confrontation where giraffe showed up before he got shot out the window uh and he shows that this stone on the ring can for whatever reason return time to this kid if he's like shot with it i guess Mm -hmm. um that for some reason there's some science magic in it and if this kid is hit with this bullet uh his aging process will will speed back up again i'm 100 percent into a anti or to a full time bullet like a time bullet is is a very cool thing to me yeah Yeah. i'm I'm really Uh, really down with this uh as he's remembering all of this we get a a a shot of zebra's face excuse me giraffe's face no zebra's face god damn i can't keep these animals apart yeah i don't know (laughs) uh we see a shot of zebra's face and he's crying at the memory of uh his his Mm -hmm. you know his partner being shot and blasted out of the window which i thought was like it it really did just they just really nail these emotional connections between characters that in under 
I mean, this is like 15 minutes into the episode, and I feel like care yeah. about these two yeah. people, and they're named and then, Giraffe well, yeah. and Zebra. And Zebra. <laughs> and that other dude's been dead for half the episode, so like... And this other dude hasn't spoken yet, and yet we care about their relationship for some reason. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, so this is where... I, and I guess it's worked on Spike, too, because he starts gearing up to go deal with this kid. There's no bounty on him, but he's going after him. Um, and, and for some reason, Faye says goodbye, because she's like, you won't be coming back, this is ridiculous and stupid. I don't really know why she's being so negative. Um, but Jet also seems a little bit worried, because he, he gives Spike a cigarette and lights it for him. Um, I love that when, as he's leaving, like, Faye is like, men are such idiots. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just really good. As uh, she's sort of, but she says it in such a way that she's looking out the window as he flies away, it's almost as if, like, you can tell that despite all the other bullshit going on, Faye is starting to, I don't know, if call it saying that Faye cares about them is really the word, but I think that Faye does want some sort of camaraderie, and because she's always by herself when we see her, or she's being disregarded by the other characters, that part of her personality starts to come through just a little bit. She never acts like she gives a shit about anybody, but you can tell that, and I'm not saying she's looking for love or whatever, but it looks like she she wants companions, uh, mm. and she's repeatedly denied by these guys. It's, it's, you know, again, like the over six episodes now, uh, I think Faye has been in the last four. Um, mm-hmm. it, they've slowly brought these people together and like they're, you could tell they're, they're slowly but surely building those emotional connections. Like they're, they're not dropping you in the middle of a friendship. They're dropping you in the middle of a, of a story that's happening. Um, but it's like, you kind of think you're in the middle of it, but really we're just in the beginning, which, which works. Yeah. Um, the kid hails a cab and when the cat pulls over, he shoots the driver and pushes him out the window. Kid's a real dick bag. Dude is a real dick bag. Huge dick. Luckily, uh, Spike has tracked him down and blast him off the road with his spaceship. And this is fucking great. Uh, it explodes. And of course the kid walks out and as the kid walks out, like he's, he's a kid, but he's, he's, I mean, he's looking like fucking Damien right now. And he's Mm -hmm. the the Mm -hmm. backdrop is flames just going everywhere and it's just oh it's so good and these like kind of cool scene tribal drums kind of start and it's it's very reminiscent mm-hmm. of the of the song that the episode is named after sympathy for the devil i don't think it actually yeah. is like they don't go into it that far but it's very very no, like it's no. it's it's like the it's the same kind i don't know anything about drums like it's the same kind of whatever drums that they use in that song yeah absolutely and they do that with other songs too there's um knocking on heaven's door is obviously a very famous song and they have, uh, Kalabiba has a, a version of that song called You Gotta Knock a Little Harder. Uh, and again, it's very reminiscent of a song, uh, plays off of the same themes, but it is its own thing. And I think that that is so cool. That music is such an integral part to this show it is really awesome because it's, it's an aspect that is sometimes overlooked, uh, especially in anime, even, you know, an anime or a game or a movie can have uh, a, a great soundtrack, but it doesn't always matter that much. In Cowboy Bebop, it really does feel like it's important. Mm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I love this confrontation, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> this is great. Yeah. The the kid just firing all of his shots, and Spike just standing there calmly, and the kid missing. I guess because he's maybe a little emotionally amped up, and then mm-hmm. Spike just you know aiming down. We get like the sight view, which is always very cool. Uh, he pulls the trigger, and of course, the kid's thinking. Hey, I'm invulnerable. I've taken a million bullets. Like I'm not going to die. But as soon as the bullet, this new time bullet hits, like he realizes instantly what the fuck is about to happen. Yeah. And and sure enough, we get like this rapid aging process. And this this he turns from a short little kid to a short little old man in you know 30 seconds or so. This is this looks this looks gross. By the way, this looks yeah. not yeah. fun yeah. And, and not great in a really like visceral kind of way. It's interesting that that the more I'm thinking about it, it's interesting that Spike is even there. You know, um, 
first of all, they thought that they, they don't know what's going to happen when this kid, when time is returned to this kid, is he going to explode and cause like a nuclear reaction? Uh, thankfully, he just rapidly ages. Um, but I, I wonder what it is about this situation that really compels Spike to, to keep pursuing it, other than just like trying to kind of do the right thing. Uh, part of me feels like he almost, again, with the title Sympathy for the Devil, he feels really bad for this kid mm-hmm. uh, and for the situation that he's in and how never being able to age has probably made him evil uh and spike is almost coming here as if to to do this kid a favor and put him out of his misery uh and and this, so there's that aspect to it and then it almost like spike can relate in a way uh we saw spike seemingly dreaming about being operated on yeah earlier that's, in i was this i was just about to bring this up, up yeah like that's where to me that's where the sympathy part comes in of like because i think the the kid at some point uh after he was after the accident like he says he was um like scientists studied him and like get, put him through a bunch of tests and everything like and he mm-hmm. went through that so it kind of I, th- I think that's why spike is doing this is because he sees a lot of himself in this kid um he just you know spike hasn't gone full evil yet so right right um and so it it just all plays out very quickly but there is always that sense of something greater that they're not going to dwell on like they don't they don't say any of the things that we're saying they don't ever bother to explain spike's motivations but i like that there is enough there that you can really wonder uh and you can really kind of make your own assumptions about what it is that has driven spike to, to come here knowing that it was he said you know i don't like this not one bit this it feels like a setup um like none of it feels good when he goes to do it but he knows he has to do it without them having to tell us that and without them again having to explain spike's motivations so it's all very cool um but yeah this this kid <laughs> um just ages uh super fast he he seems really relieved but he also says how heavy he feels and then he says do you understand do you understand do you and spike tries to uh (laughs) after you know spike watches him die picks up the harmonica tries to play it nothing happens and he goes yeah i understand as if (laughs) what (laughs) and the the as if yeah as if (laughs) The, the as if line <clears throat> had happened uh, earlier in the episode as well. Like where um, I think Jet was asking him, like, "Hey, do you understand all this stuff that I'm telling you about the, you know, the time bullet or whatever?" He was like, "Oh yeah, I understand." As if he just knows he's yeah. going to go shoot that dude. Like, um, yeah. so it's I, I think it's a uh, this to me is like laughing in the face of sadness, almost like cracking mm-hmm, jokes when mm-hmm, you're sad mm-hmm. is just pretending to be a dumbass um, when you're when you're really not uh, the kid. Uh, the harmonica thing i think is really interesting like when he picks it up and tries to play it and it doesn't even make a sound it's almost if he's like am i like am i so much like this kid that i can just play the harmonica but i don't know because i've never tried and i might be mm-hmm. i might be reading way way too much into that but that's no that's, oh, that's it's, it's, it's why we're doing a podcast <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, i guess i guess so <laughs> um it's just but of course it doesn't work like he, he doesn't know how to play the harmonica so he just throws it away um and it's and, and for once like this is the end of the episode like we don't get a mm-hmm. yeah, comedic he, punch at the end it just ends and it he throws feels- the the harmonica up and it very slowly spins in the air and he raises his his finger like a gun and he just says bang um because yeah maybe i don't know spike can't play the harmonica but he can shoot a gun uh it's it's a very to me that's a very uh evocative ending to it of him of him pointing his finger and saying bang at the harmonica mm-hmm uh, why do you think that why do, why do you think they chose to end this on this note and not have us to have a, like a, a a brief punchline at the end of this? Do you think it's because of the he just killed a kid? Like I mean, even if it wasn't technically, yeah, I don't know. A kid? 
it's it's they're letting us kind of sit in this because even even with this ending, Spike is he's sort of got a smile on his face uh, as as he points at the harmonica, you know, and and he just a minute ago goes as if trying to almost brush off that he he does understand mm-hmm. um, that he did feel some sort of strange emotional connection to the situation, and maybe him tossing the harmonica up in the air is either a salute to this kid or a dismissal of these feelings in this situation and this reality and, and, and whatever, uh, just saying, I'm not going to confront this. I'm going to point and I'm going to say bang and that's it. Yeah. So I don't know. There's a, there's hopefully as we watch more episodes, uh, I mean, cause I, it's been so long since I've seen the whole show. Maybe, maybe we can reflect more on, on scenes like this and maybe we'll get more context for things later. This is a, the the wiki for this episode brought up some interesting points. Apparently, this is one of the episodes that did not originally air on Adult Swim. Yeah, the last um, one didn't air either. Five didn't. Air oh, really? Air okay, either. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. The first that. episode didn't even air. Actually, <laughs> so fucking weird. America, get your shit yeah. together. Um, yeah. I just I, I didn't even think about it in the context of nine eleven uh, because apparently that had just happened and they sh- they depicted a dude you know getting shot out of a building and then and they depicted a child waking up oh, under the corpse yeah. of the parents and like yeah. all of this would have probably hit home after after the events of 911 oh yeah i sorry i was thinking of the uh, the japanese first run where all those episodes were cut out yeah no no this 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 was an exception for the yeah. uh, the american run sorry my bad um yeah it's just it, and you know there's also some like minor edits like when they when it did eventually air they changed the uh the bullet hole in the kid to like a, a hit flash so you don't actually see that happening or whatever but mm-hmm. uh, kind of find, kind of find that kind of stuff really interesting because you when you watch something you just kind of assume that it's you know the creator's intent but there's there's a whole lot of right. layers between you and that creator and it, it could get um i was having this conversation about deleted scenes in twin peaks with somebody last night uh like i'd I have the Blu-rays and I'm watching the Blu-rays and there's all these deleted scenes and I'm like, well, I, I, on the one hand, I kind of, I, I, I want to see them because I want to see, I think it'd be interesting to see what the director has left out if there's any meaning behind that. But at the same time, like I'm, I'm rewatching this series to kind of re-familiarize myself with the characters. So I don't need this excessive like information right. in my mind when I'm thinking about the show. Like I really kind of just want to concentrate on the quote unquote canon or, or what have mm-hmm. you. So. I don't know. Just yeah. kind of idly, idly speculating, idly thinking. Yeah, no, it's 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 fun to think about these things. It's also fun to talk about them on a podcast, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what? yeah, he he hits hits the kid with the or the harmonica with the bang, and then it's just see you, space cowboy. See you, space cowboy. When uh, and the episode's over. What what two what a what a great pairing of episodes. Like I, I love yeah. both of these a lot. Uh, I think this is this is really fun. I um, they're both a lot more serious in tone. I mean, there's mm-hmm. plenty of fun throughout them, but there's there's a lot of um. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, seriousness that we didn't necessarily get in a couple of the last episodes. Um, so it's it's cool, I think, to see Cowboy Bebop show multiple sides to itself. There are uh, how many sessions? There 26? are twenty six, I think. And uh, like we we've covered six of them so far. Does does the quality? keep getting higher and then plateau at a place like and just stay fucking great <laughs> like what because uh, yes <laughs> yes <laughs> okay cool i'm I really mean, there excited still, <laughs> there's still their, their one-off goofy episodes there are still some very very serious and heavy episodes i i still my personal favorite episode is episode five because the, sh- the church scene is just so goddamn beautiful that doesn't mean that it's the best episode obviously the end of the show um has some great stuff and then there's stuff in the middle um but yeah, I'd say overall the the show the show is consistently going to be great. 
I'll be surprised if we get to an episode that we both say that we kind of don't like that much. Yeah, I'll, if it stays at this quality, I, I don't think that that's even even going to happen. But I'll I'll be curious mm-hmm. about it. Um, I uh, do. You, do you have anything do you, you want to finish up on, or you're you're done? We want to do some admin and get out of here. Yeah, no, I'm good. Uh, I really love these episodes. Uh, thank you to the patrons uh, that have made this show possible. That's patreon.com slash monster of the week. If you're listening to this, you're already there. So thank you very much. Uh, this Ooh. is this podcast is exclusive to our patrons. So uh, thank you very much for that. Thank you to Two Mellow uh, at twomellowmakes.bandcamp.com for the intro and outro tunes for our, uh, yes. the, the podcast. That's extremely cool. Go check out all of his stuff. It's very, very, very good. Uh, you can talk to me on Twitter at JG Greer. Chris, you are... I am at Local Bones. And the podcast is at MOTWCast. Uh, We'll be back with more Don't Give Up Space Cowboy after this. 